You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. This evening, Job, Job 23. Thank you for singing that. I always love hearing that God loves me. Never get tired of hearing that. Job 23, our series tonight is connecting with God. And uh, I have been to the Sistine Chapel when I was probably about 11 years old in um, Rome. And there's a famous picture, and I, I, I should look this up, I think it's called The Creation of Adam, uh, where you see a portrait. Of course, it doesn't look like uh, <laughs> what God would look like or probably even what Adam looked like, but there's the picture of one hand being stretched out like this and the other hand, and they're, and they're almost connecting there. And a very famous portrait of the connection between God and, and man there. Of course, when God created man, he, he used his hands. He formed them. But uh, we want to look at, in, in this series, for the next four, four Sunday nights, Oftentimes, we can feel like we are not as connected to God as either we once were or as we want to be. Uh, to be honest with you, this morning I, in, in the message, I, I said something to the effect of, you may not be like the prodigal son. You may not be in the pig pen, but you may be in the yard. And that, that terminology was really something that God gave me about myself uh, uh, not too long ago, where I felt like, you know, there's... I don't want, I, I feel separate from God. I feel like I'm, a, I'm, I'm not as close as I want to be. And, uh, and God used that to, to help me to kind of say, hey, you know, let's get back to where you ought to be. And so I wish I could stand up here and tell you, man, I'm just a, the perfect example of this. And, and be like me when it comes to, you know, knowing God so perfectly. You know, we, we're all struggling. We all are human beings. And we all uh, are going to have times where it seems like, and God is just not speaking. Like, some, is something wrong spiritually? And uh, so I want to help us with that. And uh, tonight, in, in that specific way, tonight in the specific way of, of the feeling of when God is silent. When God is silent. And so we're going to take our series and we're going to start here. When God is silent. And I want you to look at Job chapter 23 in the, in the Bible tonight. Look at verses 1 through 9. The Bible says, then Job answered. Remember, Job's talking to his friends. His friends are kind of saying, hey, Job, it's all your fault for what you're going through. And so Job is answering back. Then Job answered and said, even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments, and I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Saying, if I just, just, if I just knew where God was, if I could just find him, if I could just tell him my reasoning and say, God, I don't know why I didn't deserve this, and, and he, he's longing for that. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put his strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge? Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I, I cannot perceive him. And I think that's more of it. It's not that God's not there. It's our perception and in relation to God. I don't feel like, I don't perceive that God is there. And on the left hand, where, where he doth work, 
but I cannot behold him. And he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. So in, in the midst of Job's difficulty and the, and the greatest trial of Job's life, and quite frankly, the greatest trial that any of us have been through, he, he said, I'm looking on my left hand, I can't find God. I'm looking on the right hand, I can't find God. I don't know what I did. How, why is this happening? Now, we know, we, we've read Job 1 and 2. We know about the conversation that God had with Satan, but Job didn't know that. God had not spoken to Job. And so, Job's saying, where's God? Now, I do like that Job responds in faith, verse 10. He said, but he knoweth the way that I take. I may not know what God's doing, but God knows the way I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He said, I'm, gonna, I'm, going, to, I'm going to respond correctly. He doesn't charge God foolishly. But for most of this book, for, for 37 chapters or so, here's a man that's not understanding why he's going through the trials that he's going through in such a big way, especially in a culture that was connected to, uh, you know, if, if you were in God's will, you were blessed. Not, you know, you don't lose all these things. But he never charged God foolishly. And 37 chapters later, God opens his mouth to speak to Job. And I love those chapters where it's kind of a rebuke to Job. But we see, we see God speaking in the beginning, but we don't know God is speaking. But then he speaks at the end. You know, trials are loud. The devil is loud. And trials come to us, and, and when a trial comes to us, it's in our face. It's all we can see. It's all we can think about. It, when a trial hits us, man, it's a big deal that comes into our life. But we, sometimes, if we're not careful, we can feel like, well, why is it that during the toughest parts of my life, God seems to be the quietest? Why is it that during the times where I feel like I'm seeking God, it seems like heaven is silent. So we're going to talk about when God is silent tonight. Father, I pray for your blessings upon us. Lord, I ask that you would help us tonight. Never, first of all, to charge you foolishly, to remember your love, to remember the song that was just saying about, how, oh, how you love us, and, and to remember that you, you are there for us always, in the thick and thin and everywhere in between. And I pray tonight, God, that you'd give us some illumination in this area of why you are silent at times. Uh, we won't always know the reason. But God, we pray for your help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Take your Bible, go to Psalm, the next book to the right, Psalm 22. Psalm 22. I want to show you this here, two verses here. We're going to go to another Psalm real quick, and then we're going to dive in. But look at Psalm 22, if you would, in regards to when God is silent. Remember in Elijah's day, Elijah was, was looking for God, and God came and spoke in a still, small voice. God doesn't always thunder from the clouds like when he said, this is my begotten son. You know, he doesn't always do that, and he, he doesn't always speak. So look at verse 20, uh, chapter 22 of Psalms, verse number uh, 1. So Psalm 22, 1. My God, this is David speaking. Of course, it, it's a prophecy of what will happen with Jesus on the cross, but this is still David's prayer. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And we say, God, God, you're so far away, I can't hear when you speak. And from the words of my roaring, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. He's saying, God, I'm not silent, but it seems like you are. Look at chapter 28, Psalm 28. This is a verse that has stuck with me since I was a teenager. 
when I have felt like God was, was not as vocal in my life as I wanted him to be, when I have felt like God was not doing something in my life that I wanted him to do, or I, I want God to work, I want God to move, I've got, maybe I've got a special meeting coming up and I want the right message, or, or you know, I, I just want to be in a revival service like when Brother Carr was here, and I, I'm praying, God, I want you to speak to me. And, and so I, I, I'm almost saying, God, speak to me when I want you to. But this verse has helped me through the years, Psalm 28, verse 1. David said, unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock, be not silent to me. Lest, if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. What's that? The grave. God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die if you are not speaking to me, if you're not with me. So what am I saying here? Here are great men of God in the Bible, a man after God's own heart, a man that God said is a perfect and upright man in Job, and that there's none like him upon the face of the earth. And these men both have said, man, it seems like God is silent. I just can't hear him. I can't see, can't trace what God is doing. So if these men battled it, and these people in the Bible battled it. Well, I, I, I think it's safe to say we're going to battle it too. Let me give you a couple truths, first of all, regarding silence. Truths regarding silence. First of all, silence does not always equal anger. Silence does not always equal anger. When God is silent, that, that doesn't always mean that God is angry. Well, God's not speaking to me, so God is angry with me. That, that doesn't always mean that. Now, fellas, let me help you with something, okay? This is not like with your wife. If your wife is silent, she is angry. Let me just help you, all right? Well, she's, she's really quiet. She's not saying anything. I think everything's okay. No, you're going to get a knife in your back as soon as you try to go to sleep tonight. I'm saying, it's not like that. It, 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 and ladies, I'm not mocking you in that way. I'm, I'm just teasing about the relationship there. But, but it, with God, it, it doesn't mean that just because God's not giving you the silent treatment uh, always because of anger. And we can equate that. We can say, well, God hasn't spoke to me in a long time, and, and so he must be angry with me. Why does God hide his face? Uh, why is God silent? Why, why does God retreat from us? Debbie Graham Scroge, who's one of my favorite commentators on the book of Psalms, he said this about, about a, a Psalm, Psalm 44 that David wrote. He said, God's retreats are to coax us to follow him. So when it seems like God is further and further away, it may be that God is trying to draw us closer and closer to him, down a path. It doesn't always equal anger. He's trying to draw us into a deeper conversation. I mean, he tells us over and over and over again in Scripture to seek him. Deuteronomy 4.29, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart, with all thy soul. First Chronicles 16.11, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. And then Isaiah 55.6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. So silence doesn't always mean God is, is angry or that God's just not speaking to us. There could be other reasons. And perhaps one of the reasons why God is doing that is not so that he's going to thunder into your life, but that so you, and he's not pursuing you, but that you would pursue him, that you would come after him. Secondly, I want to say this, a truth regarding silence is silence happens to us all at times. Silence from heaven happens to all of us at times. And, and what I mean, if, if you look in the Bible, we see Job. 
Job had times of silence. We read it. Uh, uh, David. David had times of silence. And you can go through and see different Bible characters where, uh, and really when you're looking at Psalms, you're seeing the inside inner workings of the emotions of a man. And not many books of the Bible give you all of that. But most people, I think, would say, man, God, uh, it, it doesn't speak a ton uh, to each person there. There was 400 years of silence between Malachi and the book of Matthew. 400 years. 400 years of no revelation from God. 400 years of silence. You know, to be honest with you, think about this. Most Christians are okay with silence from heaven until they want something or until a trial comes. Most Christians are okay with silence from heaven until a trial comes. And then it's like, God, where are you? Well, where was he last week? He was trying to speak to you in church, but you were okay with silence then. But we can be okay with silence, but it does happen to all of us. Silence number three, silence can be deceptive. Again, it can, be, it can be something that we get wrong. And here's the thing, just, and you need to hear this, just because it doesn't seem like God is talking, that doesn't mean God is not talking. It could be that we're not hearing. It could be that we're refusing to hear. God gave us the Bible. God speaks through the Bible every time you read it. He is speaking in the Word of God. He gives us wisdom in the Bible. And what is wisdom? It's a form of guidance. He's given you spiritual leadership that is a form of guidance. God speaks through other people. God does this. And so it, just, it doesn't mean that, that just because you're not hearing it in the, in the format or way that you've heard it before doesn't mean that God's not speaking. It can be a little deceptive. We can get it into our minds. And we have to be very careful also about this. Let me caution you about this. We, we, we should not ever equate God's silence with indifference. Don't equate God's silence with indifference. Don't think that just because you're not hearing from God that God doesn't care. Remember on the boat in, uh, in I think it's Mark chapter number four, and when the disciples are out on the sea and the wind and waves come and there's a tempest and, and it's blowing and, and they go to the master who's asleep in the ship and they say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus is sleeping in the boat. You haven't said a word. You've been silent. The storm is raging. You don't care. You don't care that we perish. What's he do? He gets up and he breaks the silence. And he says, peace be still. And everything calms. And, we all, and sometimes we can think, well, God's not speaking, so he doesn't care. And also sometimes we can seek to hear the big, you know, words of God where God changes everything with three words. And I think we need to realize that even when Jesus was asleep in the boat, he was in control and he cared. And so I, God's silent in my life and I'm waiting for God to speak these words. And I'm out. God is still in control and he still cares whether or not he spoke. The ship was not going under, folks. Jesus was on it. And in our life, God may not have said anything. Jesus may not have, have, uh, have said what you, know, you think you ought to say or whatever, but it doesn't mean he doesn't care. It doesn't mean your ship's going to crash. He's in control. So silence, can, it can get to us and be deceptive. Well, well, God just doesn't care. No, that's not true. So there's some truths there. So if we're going to deal with this issue of silence and uh, dealing with why don't I hear from God, let me give you some thoughts about this. Why? And, and what I want you to do is put on your Sherlock Holmes hat, 
whatever those things are called. It's got a brim in the front and the back, you know what I'm talking about? And get your, get your magnifying glass out and, uh, and do some investigating. Now, don't investigate the person next to you, all right? Steal their wallet, but don't investigate them. No, uh, no. Uh, what, what I want you to do is, is ask yourself some questions tonight. And, if, and maybe you don't feel this way. Maybe you feel like everything's great. You know, God's speaking to me all the time. Or it could be that, that God isn't, you don't feel like God is speaking to you, but you don't care. Well, that's a dangerous place to be in. That's a sad place to be in. But if you're saying, I, I want to know Christ better and I want to understand better. I, I, like Moses said, God, show me your ways. Teach me your ways and I may understand you. you know? If we want to be more like that, I think we need to do some investigating to find out what's going on in my life. Is there, is there a reason why that I can put my finger on why God is not speaking? Number one, I want to say this. It, why don't I hear from God? Ask yourself this question. Am I in active communication with God? Am I in active communication with God. I think that's where it starts. We want to hear from God. Has God heard from us? We want to hear from God. Has God heard from us? And uh, we want to start that. It's a, it's a two-way street. Communication doesn't work one way. If I'm just talking to you, that's not communication. That's, that's me talking to you. But there has to be a back and forth. I want God to speak to me. I must be speaking to God. So I, I, we need to ask ourselves, hey, am I meditating on this book? Am I reading the word of God? Am I thinking about what God said? Because this is God speaking to me. So am I reading it and am I thinking about what God wants to say to me? And if not, if we're just going through life and, and you know, we're just waiting for God to speak, no, God has spoken. You're not going to hear an audible. And when I talk about God speaking to you, of course I do not mean audibly. You're not going to hear God's voice, you know, Gary Schroeder, stop being a Packers fan. You're not, you're not going to hear, that's good advice though. But anyway, uh, you're not going to hear those things. There's actually a young man from our youth department who plays for the Packers uh, that grew up here. But uh, anyway, so you go ahead and be a Packers fan for his sake, okay? But, uh, you, you know, the, that's not how God's going to speak to you. It's going to be that, it's going to be that Holy Spirit on the inside moving you. And, and, but, but what God has done is he has already spoken. And so if you, God, give me direction. God, give me wisdom. God, tell me what to do. He did. He has. It's right here. Get in the book. And if you're not willing to do that, then don't be surprised if you feel like God is silent. He hasn't. He has written you 1,167 chapters. He's written you 66 books worth of communication to you. So get into the Word of God and be thinking about it. Justin Peters, who goes around, and I've said this quote before, and I just love it so much. Uh, he goes around debunking a lot of modern myths and, and faith, fake healers and stuff like that. And he said this, if you want to hear God speak to you, there is one way I guarantee you will hear God speak to you. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. That's the truth of it right there. So when I want to hear God speak. Have you prepared your heart to hear God speak? When you come to church, have you prepared your heart? We sang tonight, I come to the garden alone and in the garden, you know, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And we, we sang the other song, just a closer walk with thee. And, and we're singing these songs to, to help us get into the frame of mind to prepare our hearts to say, I'm ready to hear what God has to say through the message. But God can speak through the songs. 
God can speak through the offering. God can speak through a, a, a person at church. God can work on your heart through a lot of different ways. Are we in communication with him so that our heart's ready for that? So if I'm wanting to hear from, if I want to hear from God, investigate. Am I in active communication with God? Let me say this secondly, and, and you need to listen to this one. Okay, this is, this is something you may not have heard before or may have thought about. When it comes to why don't I hear from God, let me ask you this question. Am I, and you ask yourself, am I addicted to emotional or religious experiences? Am I addicted to emotional or religious experiences? So what are you talking about? Let me explain a little bit. How many times in the Bible, how many times did God audibly speak to Solomon? How many, I think it was two. How many times did God audibly speak to David? How many times did God out loud speak to Job? One that we know of. So oftentimes, we can in our mind think that in the Old Testament, well, God was just always talking to this person, and God was just always communicating with this person, but that's not true. Not in that sense of it. God wasn't always speaking out loud, audibly, in, and I'll say it this way, in a big way to these men and women of the Bible. When you read it, when God was speaking to most people, it was few and far between. Even you look at Elijah, someone like Elijah, someone like Moses. Yes, there was years there, but it wasn't like God was every single day audibly speaking to these people. That's not how it worked. We think that it was all the time, but that's not how it was. Let me ask you this question. When has God spoken to you in a big way? Where you feel like God, I mean, God worked on your heart and you feel like, man, God just did something in me. I was headed this way and man, God just changed my direction. I was going through this and God just stepped in and showed up. I was at that revival meeting or at the men's beast feast or at the ladies extravaganza and God just really became real and alive to me in a big way. I've been to so many youth conferences and so many camps with teenagers where, uh, you know, they'll come and, and I remember one specific one where this teenager just like, his eyes were open and he was like, God just, God is just such a big God. I've never seen it before like I've seen it right now at this moment. And it was an awakening. It was God speaking to him in a big, loud way. If you look into your life, I guarantee you that's not every Sunday. That's not, it's probably a couple times in your life. It's probably not, you know, this, this huge thing that happens all the time. When I was a teenager, I was away from God. And, and uh, at 16, uh, about, to go, about to be 17, I think it was, I went to teen camp with the, with the, with the teenagers of our church. And uh, I was going into my senior year. And, again, I was away from God, but I, I, I had gotten into church, so I went to teen camp. And, uh, you know, was not close to the Lord at all, but I was getting into church. But I tell you, I, I was so changed by that first teen camp. I mean, I, I was hearing preaching. I was hearing, you know, God just, just worked on my life. <clears throat> One of the biggest changes since salvation that ever happened to me was at that teen camp when I was probably 16 or 17 years of age. And I just never forget, I was in tears. I, was cry I don't cry for a lot of things at all ever, especially as a young man, but, but uh, I, I was crying. I was at the altar. God changed my life. 
He called me to preach. He called me to ministry first, then called me to preach. And, I, you know, and so I just thought that was going to be it every year. So the next year I go back to teen camp and I'm like, here it comes. God is going to show up. God's going to do something amazing. And God did change my life. And God did work in my life. But it was not near the experience that I had before. It was much less. And it was more painful, to be honest with you. There were things God was touching on, like, you got to fix this. You know, you got to get this right. You got to do this or that. And I began to equate big feelings with really hearing from God. And so the, the danger is, you know, you can want to hear from God so badly that you think it only happens in big ways. There's a thing, I, I believe we could call it spiritual gluttony. What is spiritual gluttony? Spiritual gluttony is when we begin to seek the feelings instead of the Father. Let me say that again. Spiritual gluttony is when we begin to seek the feelings instead of the Father. We're saying, I want to feel connected. I want to feel like God is speaking. I want to feel you know, like the revival serves. I want to feel like... And instead of saying, I want the Father, we're saying, I want to feel and we can become, and this is why people leave churches that are preaching good doctrine, is because they don't feel like the music's good enough. They don't feel like, the, you know, well, well, I like, you know, the, the modern, you know, Christian contemporary music. But they're leaving a church that is teaching good doctrine and truth because they don't feel something. Well, feelings change. Fact is always the same. Faith is what we live by. So when we're thinking about this, we have to be careful that we do not become so addicted to how we feel at church. Well, you know what? I've been coming to this church for years. When I first got here, man, God was speaking to my heart and God was changing me, but I haven't felt that in a long time. That doesn't mean it's the church's fault. It's not the truth's fault either. It could just be that we're getting addicted to what we think is a religious experience. And that's not how it works. Look, every time you pray, every time you pray, do you feel the windows of heaven open and you're transported and you're like, wow, I'm talking to Jesus. No. Sometimes I feel like I'm praying at this desk right here. And I'm like, is anybody listening? I mean, honestly, sometimes, right? We all go through that. One day you can feel like, man, everything is wonderful and, and God is real and listening. And the next day you can feel like, am I even saved? We go through, that's, that's emotions. We cannot become addicted to religious experience. It's, it's spiritual gluttony. God says live by faith. When God is silent, so to speak, we still have to pray. When God is silent, we still got to read the Bible. When God is silent, you got to still go to church. Why? Because it's not about what you feel. It's about your faith. Live by faith. That's what you do. So why don't I hear from God? Ask yourself, am I in active communication with God? Am I addicted to emotional religious experiences? Number three, am I looking for a sign instead of looking at Scripture? Am I looking for a sign instead of looking at Scripture? This is a reason why some people feel like God is silent. Because they're looking for a sign. God, show me you're real. God, do this and I'll know that you're real. Years ago, oh, oh, no, just think about this in the Bible. Zacharias. Zacharias was John the Baptist's father. And an angel, by the way, not just an angel, Gabriel, the messenger of God, comes to Zacharias in Luke chapter number one. Zacharias 
is in the temple in a holy place doing his holy work and an angel appears unto him. And the angel of God, Gabriel, standing in front of him, gives him and says, this is what God is saying to you, Gabriel. You're going to have a son. He's going to be named John. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. And here's Zacharias in this holy place, performing his holy duties. He's got an obvious real angel, Gabriel, standing before him. It's not hard to spot an angel from what I can take account of in the Bible, because they always say, fear not, so there's something to be afraid of. And he says, this is what God is saying to you. He had been praying for this. He had, it was an answer to the very prayer he'd been praying. And Zacharias says, how can I know these things are going to be real? Can you give me a sign? I would not have been a good angel. I would have smacked him four times and said, I am the sign. What are you talking about? I gave you a sign. I am the sign. I'm telling you what God said. You think about Gideon. Uh, Gideon is, in Judges chapter 6, the angel of the Lord, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, comes to him and tells him what to do. And Gideon goes, can I get a sign? And so he lays out the fleece, right? He gets that sign, and then you know what he says? Can I get another sign? What? Why is it, Jesus said, that, that a foolish and adulterous generation seek it for a sign? We're always looking for a sign. We've got scripture. We don't always need a sign of what God wants to do. You, look. If you're looking for a sign when the Bible is clear on something, that is called unbelief. And you can expect silence. Why? Because God has already spoken on the issue. I'm just waiting for a sign whether I should move to North Carolina or not. <gasps> There's a car with a license plate from North Carolina. It's a sign. That's foolish. That's foolish. All right. Psalm 119.105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Light into my path. Thy word. You don't need a sign. You need scripture. I need direction. I need guidance. I want God to speak. Maybe he already has. Go back to the book. Why don't I hear from God? I'll go quickly to the last two here. First of all, am I, you have to ask yourself, am I in active communication with God? Am I addicted to emotional or religious experiences? We all want to feel good. We want to feel close to God. And there's times we do, but there's times we don't. But it's not necessarily God. It's our emotions. Am I looking for a sign instead of looking at Scripture? Number four, let me ask you this. You have to investigate. Do I have a seared conscience? Do I have a seared conscience? It talks about that in 1 Timothy where, uh, what is it talking about with, with a seared conscience? In other words, God through the Holy Spirit speaks to us. People call it our conscience or whatever. But he is speaking with us saying, do this, don't do that. Go back and talk to that person. You were not kind. Apologize. Whatever. He speaks to us. But if we say no on that issue, and we say, I know you're telling me to do this, but I'm going to say no. And I'm going to say no. I'm going to ignore it. There comes a point where it's, our conscience is seared. It's like if you it took a hot iron. You know, it, there comes a, well, let me put it this way, third-degree burns. If I, I don't, I've, I've been burned second-degree many times. I've never had third-degree burns. But there comes a point where you lose feeling. The, the nerves just are gone. And what it means is that there can be a point in your life where you have said no so many times to God that you no longer are feeling the conviction anymore. 
which is dangerous. Because if you're ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit in one area, how do you expect to hear him in another area? You're, you are searing your conscience. You are burning it to the point where it is dead, where you're no longer hearing from God. God, why am I going through all this? God, what? Are you listening where God is speaking? Get it right. I could tell you story after story. I won't take the time right now. Uh, of times in my life where, where I knew something was wrong and I was ignoring it, especially in college, where uh, there are several that stick out uh, very well, where I ignored something where God says, you need to get that right with that person. You need to do this. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. And I would try to pray, and I might as well have been praying to an idol because there was nothing that was getting through. There was no answers. That's all I could think about was what I had done wrong. And finally, when I got it right, whatever it was, many times in my life, the, the windows of heaven were opened. And it was like, oh, yes, I can feel that God hears my prayers now because I got that right. We can know we're sinning. We can know we're living in sin and think, well, why isn't God answering my prayers? We really know why. We're not living in a way pleasing to God. We're approaching the most holy God, but we're unclean. And that's not how we're supposed to approach God. You know, from time to time, we'll, we'll give our kids, you know, the command. Clean up. Time to clean up. Clean your room. Clean the living room. Clean out the kitty litter. Clean the car. Clean my room. No, but, uh, uh, you know, clean. And then they'll say, can I have a drink? Can I get a piece of candy? Can I play for a while? Can I go outside and shoot basketball? Can I do this? Can I do that? And you know what they get from mom and dad? Silence. Say, why? Because I'm not going to answer those requests until you do what I told you to do. I gave you a command. Clean up. And after you clean up, guess what? Now I'll be willing to listen. Now what would you like? Can, can I have some candy? No. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I'd be willing to listen after that, I wonder if God has been speaking to some of us saying, clean up. Clean up your life. Clean up that sin. And when you do, maybe I'll listen. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's what the Bible says. So we have to ask ourselves, am I having a seared conscience? Have I just ignored him? And then lastly tonight, investigate. Why don't I hear from God? Am I looking for God to say something specific? Am I looking for God to say some specific thing? You know, sometimes, and what I mean by that, and it's similar to the last thought, is sometimes we can overlook or disregard what God is saying in favor of what we want God to say. We can overlook what God has said to us or is saying to us because we're looking for what we want God to say to us. And can I just say, when you go to the king of kings, you don't go looking for what you want God to say to you. You go asking God, what do you want to say to me? That's what you do, because he's the king. If God gave you your will, you would be miserable. That's not how it works. You go to God, and you get God's will. God may be saying, get right about this, and you're thinking, I want to hear God say it's okay. You may, it may be God saying, I want you to serve in this ministry, and you're waiting for God to say, serve in this ministry. You, you may be waiting for God to say this, but God's saying this. So you go to God, and you're praying, and you're not just looking for what you want to hear. Why, why do you want to hear God speak to you? 
What do you want him to say? And if your heart is like, hey, I just want to be in communication with God. I just want to know whatever he says, and whatever he says is fine with me, then you probably will hear. But if you're like, well, I want God to tell me to do this, or do, maybe you won't if it's your will. So we need, to, we need to take some time to not always do the talking and do the listening. We think that when we pray that we always have to be the one doing the talking. Maybe sometime in your prayer time this week, sit down and say, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm listening. What do you want to say to me? Open the Bible. God, I'm listening. What do you want to, maybe God's already given you an answer. Maybe you can feel it in your gut and you know what God wants you to do. Then I would say, then you better do that. If we want God to keep talking, let's obey. Let's do what he says to do. So tonight, with this first lesson, and these lessons are gonna, these messages are gonna build on one another. And I think we're gonna get some very practical things at the end of these four weeks. But tonight, the first step is, if God is silent, perhaps he's just trying to draw you into a closer walk with him. But maybe there's something going on in our lives that's our responsibility. And we need to go back and look and say, okay, am I in active communication with God? Am I just looking for some religious experience, or am I truly seeking God's face? Am I just wanting my feelings to be changed, or am I really wanting to know God? Am I looking for a sign instead of looking in Scripture? Do I have a seared conscience because God is speaking to me about this sin, but I'm pushing it away, saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to obey that. I want something else. Or are we just looking for God to tell us what we want to hear? When we investigate those things, I think we'll have a better understanding of why is God silent? We're not going to always get it. We're not going to always understand it. But at least we can investigate and say, hey, is this a reason why? So as we're doing that this week, if it seems like God is silent, first of all, you're in good company. God has seen that way to everyone. Investigate to see where you're supposed to be. Maybe God is drawing you deeper. And then I want to just say, live by faith. Keep praying. Keep walking with God. Keep going to church. Keep getting in the Bible. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you that you have a desire to connect with us. You have a desire to walk with us and talk with us every single day. And I believe you do, but I, I firmly believe also that sometimes we just...